124. 16. Just went for a nice walk in the sun. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Where'd you go? Uh, around Reservoir, just around my, my area, just a bit of a blocky. Do you have a set route you like to go or is you like to mix it up? I have a running route, actually, which is very small. <laughs> I don't, can't run very far, but um, it's a block just near my house. So I, I tend to walk that way as well. And there's a lovely park nearby um, in, in Reservoir in Melbourne. So yeah, I usually go there. <laughs> beautiful. Uh, how long have you been running for? Oh, I've, I've tried many times in my life. Um, this recent effort uh, since lockdown, really, I just thought I should try and get a little bit of exercise, but I'm really no good. It's like, I don't know why you never get better at running. I'm just as bad every single day, but it does uh, give me a bit of exercise, I suppose. Had you, had you run when you were younger? No, never. Never. I didn't play a lot of sport. Um, I'm a musician, so um, not that they're mutually exclusive at all. No, 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 they are. No, they're not. They're not. But for me, I know the exact feeling. I got it. Yeah. Yep. Well, my thing with sport is really watching it. I, I, I watch a lot of sport, but I've never been a player. And so I never did a lot of exercise. I did rhythmic gymnastics when I was young, <laughs> apparently. That's what my parents thought would be a, a cute thing to do. I don't That's know. That's pretty cool. Pretty now, now, do you mean yeah. actually rhythmic gymnastics or fizzy? Or what? F- fizzy. Do you know what I mean when I say fizzy? No. Physical no. culture? Oh. It's quite, I don't know. it can we, be similar to. Yeah. We did dances to music. So if that's rhythmic gymnastics, that's what I was told was rhythmic yeah, gymnastics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used yeah. to go to a hall each week, put on an electric blue leotard. Nice. And, um, learn dances, which I was pretty bad at. But I think there's a video floating around somewhere, but I never watch it. <laughs> what, uh, what sort of songs are we talking Oh, I think they were, well, my, that was, this would have been in the late 80s, early 90s. So I think they were pretty hot hits. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, there was, you know, stuff from Hits Huge 84 and stuff like that. <laughs> was one of them Take the Pressure Down, John Farnham? Oh, probably. I did love that song. That's a my good brother dance and I had song. A, um, yeah, had a video of his chain reaction tour that we used to watch all the time for some <laughs> reason. <laughs> With the, David Hershfelder on the um, keyboard that you hold. Yeah. The yeah, keytar. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is the film clip. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And there's yeah, the, the yeah. guy at the start who's like, in your challenge, you must do one more thing. Take yes. the pressure down. You know that bit? Yes. It's all coming back to me now. Actually. Yes. I think I've forgotten the film clip because I watched the live version so many times, yes. but I'm going to go and have to watch that. There's only one step left to overcome in your quest for success. Pressure. Oh yeah, yeah. Check the check go the go now. back to the film the the, yeah. the produced film clip. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Jeez, what a classic! What a classic. Uh, sport wise, was cricket one of those things that you were watching? Yeah, my mum always watched cricket. She's really a really really big fan, and she was such a big fan back then that she used to get up in the middle of the night and watch the the West Indies Tests were the big ones that I remember. Yep. Um, so I used to get up and watch it with her and. Um, she was really one-sided. She'd get really angry when we were losing, so she'd sort of crack, crack it and turn it off and we'd all have to go back to bed. But, um, yeah, that's where I got my love of, love of cricket from. So when you she were, still does. When you were losing, it was, all right, she'd get some transference, some anger and send you to bed. Yeah, 
yeah, she, I remember it so vividly and I still talk about it with her and she acknowledges it. She she would get so, like, I think she was literally angry. I don't think she was putting on a thing. And we'd have to turn, like, if there was, you know, 10 overs to go or something and they were losing, she'd turn it off. She wouldn't let us turn it back on again. <laughs> it was pretty silly. <laughs> what happened if you missed, you missed like, an all-time upset where they came back? Yeah, exactly. That? Exactly. Yeah. And I had no way, because I was a kid, I had no way of, like, listening to it outside that. So I actually don't know if that ever happened. Mm. But it, exactly, you've got to give your team a chance, I think. <laughs> have, you, have you been doing any commentary lately? Not cricket. I've sort of, um, I did a bit of commentary for a while with um, the White Line Wireless yeah. crew, that guerrilla cricket broadcast crew, Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon. But um, I've sort of moved into the sumo world now, which is a little bit odd. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's, now, let's now, now tell me the sumo story and uh, I have a sandwich <laughs> that's been sitting here for two hours now and I'm going to eat a little bit of that. Oh, but, please but do. Please, please, I want do. the full, the full arc it. of the sumo, please. Yeah, well, um, I, I hadn't been to Japan before and um, with my partner we went in 2016 um, and we went to Osaka and we were just walking around uh, some of the streets and walked past the sumo stadium there, which we didn't know at the time was a sumo stadium. And we saw one of the rikishi and he actually wasn't a Japanese guy. He was one of the guys from Georgia, Tochinoshin his his name was. I didn't know that, of course, at the time. And it was just like, wow, took some pictures and knew that it was a national sport there at Japan, but in Japan, but um, didn't know anything about it, popped it on the television and just got hooked straight away for some reason. I can't say exactly why it was that I liked it so much, but it's just a, such a fascinating sport. It's a really easy sport to get into because basically two guys go at it and the first one to fall down or go outside the ring is the loser. So the rules are pretty simple to start off with, but then once you start watching it a bit and getting into the storylines. It's just, it's fascinating. And so I went back a couple more times to Japan since then. It was easier to watch it back then as well. You could pay, you could do a pay-per-view through NHK, the Japanese um, national broadcaster. Um, now, nowadays, it's much harder to watch. There's a lot more Western fans, but it's actually uh, paradoxically a bit harder to watch. We've got to watch guerrilla streams and um, illegal broadcast and stuff like that. So, yeah, just loved it, kept up with it, uh, researched it a bit, mostly just got to know the guys who were in it. I mean, not personally, obviously, but got to know some of their stories and some of the ways that they got into the sport and, and yeah, got just started to love it. And so now we've started a, a podcast. There's no Australian sumo podcast that I know of. There's, there was one American one and now there's there's a couple of other ones that have started up. Um, we do a – it's called Sumo Mainichi, which means um, sumo every day. And so on the days of the tournaments, we go through all the bouts and talk about them and give our opinions, which is pretty insane. There's six tournaments a year and each one's 15 days, so it's a lot of work, but we um, we really like it. I do it with my partner, Dave. That's so cool. That's how they that's how they roll it? It's always that, that format? Yeah, yeah. There's only been a couple of cancelled ones in the history. One was due to the, the pandemic last year in May. Um, another one was they were upgrading the building and the building wasn't ready in time and another one was for the war. So it's not cancelled very often. So, yeah, six. And they hold it around Japan. Most uh, Every second one's in Tokyo and then they go uh, Nagoya, Osaka and down in the south in Fukuoka. When you say storylines, the storylines are epic. What do you, What do you mean by that? 
Well, it's an odd mix of um, tradition. It's a very old sport with a lot of traditions in it. So the salt that they throw to purify the the doyo and the way that they, the movements that they make and the ways that they interact with each other are very traditional. But then what they've done to put it on um, television is actually really non-traditional. So they've limited the time that you can do your movements before the, um, before you start and they've changed the way that the um, rikishi face up against each other. Um, so it's, it's a really odd mix of new and old. The way that the rikishi or the wrestlers come into the sport is really interesting. You can sort of qualify by going through the university system or you can um, sort of blast your way in by, by coming up from the start. Injuries play a really big part in a, in a wrestler's storyline. So the, the injury management in sumo is horrendous um, to, to sort of Western sports standards anyway. They don't really... <laughs> they don't really have many injury protocols in place. You just fight no matter what. So um, those kind of things and how they get around that, the the fact that they all live together in the in the stables, in the haya, um, and eat certain things and operate in a very traditional um, way with the lower-ranked rikishi looking after the, the upper ones. So all these stories are leaked out. The other thing is that... Um, they're not that interested in Westerners being fans of the sport. So a lot of the news is leaked out through people who will translate articles and you don't often get the full story. So you're really searching for the information and for, you know, why somebody is is injured or why somebody is, how they're training or how their form is going for the next particular tournament. You're always searching for that information because it mm. doesn't come to the West easily. Are there parallels here with this and like wrestling and WWE and those characters or is that way off? I think um, certainly every every Rikishi has a character and because we can't always see inside, sometimes those characters are constructed by Western fans. You know, we'll say somebody's particularly cute or um, has a great personality just because they have a big round belly and a, and a cute-looking face. So there's those kind of constructed narratives around it that that Western fans bring to it. Um, I guess the big difference with wrestling is that it's it's not um, a show real. at all. You know, like it's real. It's real fighting. Yeah, yeah. sumo is real. Um, <laughs> sumo is real. I'm sorry if yeah. people didn't know this, but WWE <laughs> yeah. isn't, it's not real. They're all Yeah, actors. I mean, I love, I love wrestling in WWE. I'm not, I haven't ever really got super into it but i love the idea of it i think it's really 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 cool and um, i mean that's got storylines right you know the big the big opponents and the rivalries and all of that but sumo has that as well there are big rivalries there's um the hawaiians that were in the sport and dominated the sport for a while there's the domination of mongolia as well so the three uh, sorry the two highest uh in the sport at the moment the yokozuna are both mongolian and the most recent one who just retired was Mongolian as well. So there hasn't been a Japanese Yokozuna for um, for a while. But the older Japanese ones were really fiery. There are guys who've been chucked out of the sport for being, you know, absolute firebrands. And- yeah, yeah. I can imagine the, the politics and the drama just, just through the tradition of living with each other and that sort of yeah. status and I imagine the younger ones eventually overthrow the older ones and you get all that sort of interesting yeah. stuff. Yeah. 
Well, that's a narrative that's happening at the moment, actually, that the younger ones are, are getting really strong. These two Mongolians who are the top two are just getting a little bit older. They're sort of in their early 30s, which is relatively old for the sport. Most people would retire, would definitely by 40, but 35 is kind of really starting to get there. And they're really they're really injured. They haven't been in the tournaments for a while. So the narrative is very much these young young upstarts coming yeah. up and, yeah. and trumping them. And the style of the sport is now very uh, pusher thruster, which means they push a lot at each other rather than doing complicated sumo moves. So, mm, mm. yeah, there's some of the other interesting I, I things in it. I love the the idea that you've got something so simple and so simple rules and then if you can go deeper and deeper and deeper, it's sort of got cricket in that way, sort of, you know, like sort of long-distance batting. Yeah, 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 that's true. I mean, the tournament goes for a, a long period of time, like a test, although there's, each bout is only like 15 seconds. But, yeah, we have friends over to watch it and, you know, we all have beers and everything and I have to just shut myself up because I'm always like, oh, and this guy did this and, you know, this guy's out because of this. And everyone's like, shut up, like you're so boring. <laughs> Stop talking about no, it. No, no, never shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's well, great. I mean, that's, okay. what, that's what you got the podcast for, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs>